This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies was recorded a little differently, meaning that we kind of just jumped into spoilers right away. So I wanted to let everyone know up top that, yes, we will be spoiling Spider-Man No Way Home right from the get-go. There's so much going on with this movie, we didn't want to waste time. So this is your official spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the movie and want to go in fresh and have been not watching all of the trailers and been a good person like I have not been... Please hold off on listening to this episode until you've completed your spider journey. And once you have, enjoy the show. What is up, Internet? Gods don't have to choose. We take. My name is Matthew Kroll. I'm a really good lawyer. I am Alex de Los Pequeber. Gotta be careful where you fall. I'm Dave Wiskus. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Spider-Man No Way Home. And, and the voices you just heard, dear listeners, is not the melodious uh, sounds of our wayward New Zealander who is currently stuck in another multiverse. So I've brought in uh, the big guns from my uh, Nebula family. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from the phenomenal YouTube channel Low Spec Gamer, Alex, and then the CEO and founder of Standard and Nebula, who is probably also wearing the Edith glasses right now, although I can't see his face. Dave, welcome everybody. I'm not wearing the Edith glasses. I'm so sorry to disappoint. The one day. I could. They're They're behind me somewhere i mean you do whatever makes you comfortable to talk about this movie 19 years in the making um this we we, we were lucky enough thanks to uh, uh our good friend dave here to go see a screen a private screening of it uh over in Times square on on release day so we actually were all in the theater together which to be honest i gotta say on this podcast feels strange in the end of year 2021 hmm. uh but that was quite lovely so we all had the exact same movie going experience it was a very bizarre surreal yes precisely i don't even know how to describe what that experience was like we had a private theater it was uh for context we did a holiday party for uh standard slash nebula creators and uh you know and friends extended family so it was a bunch of us and like uh, a YouTube employee who I cannot name and like Mr. Beast was there with us. It was just this, this really weird like of, of the collection of people you could watch this movie with. Um, you guys and uh, the, 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 this specific collection of humans, it, it almost feels like its own version of the portals opening up. And every random asshole you've ever met is now sitting in a theater with you watching <laughs> watching a movie. It was the, the Avengers of YouTube. Yeah, I was going to say we're the Revengers. I don't know if we... <laughs> but yeah, we can be the Avengers. Why not? Am I in charge? Can we be the Dave-Vengers? Uh, I mean, you know, let's put it to a vote um, <laughs> in the next, uh, you know, naming meeting. Sure, um, sure. The Dave-Vengers. <laughs> I'll write up a pitch doc. So here's here's I guess my my opening volley of questions uh, uh, about this film going in. I need to know both of y'all's sort of histories with with the Spider-Man. I'll say cinematic franchises. Uh, Alex, why don't you go first because you're you're the you're the newbie to this podcast. So so how does when was the first time you saw a live action Spider-Man in a feature film format? I'm also might be one of the youngest people in this call, which is rarely the case with me. And and I mentioned yeah, well, that. Rub it in. That's yeah, nice. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> ha always happy to please, Dave. Because for me, the the original, the I guess the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies mm -hmm. were my introduction into the world of the character. Well. It was the TV animated show, but it was it was sort of the first time I remember seeing a big name Marvel superhero movie on theaters and being like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I just want to right. spend the rest of my li life watching stuff like this. This is amazing. Um, and then it was sad when, you know, that that era of super movie heroes passed. Um, but wow. So my the Toby, uh, the Andrew Garfield era was. I guess an attempt at a revival. I, I digged what I was trying to do. It was just a little bit annoying that we were going through the origin story all over again. Right. But seeing it all appear again, okay. That was I, I I did not come to this movie expecting feelings. I was like, okay, you know, it, it's nice. It's nice that we're getting characters from the other continuities. I, I have some nostalgia for this, but I did not expect it to hit me as hard as it did. 
I've been hearing that from quite a few people uh, that either didn't know certain twists were coming or that did and didn't think they would actually hit them in the feels as hard as it did. So I'm glad to hear that that happened for you as well. Dave. What up, dog? Uh, what, I, I feel like I've talked to you a, I've talked to you a bunch about the MCU yeah. proper. I feel like that's probably 90% of our conversation points. <laughs> Did you see that that SNL sketch about like the dog park for men where it's like walking like Marvel, 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 Marvel. That's kind of how you and I communicate. Yes. Like you and me and Patrick Willems, that, that's, that's exactly how we sound. I believe so. I believe so. At least to my wife. <laughs> We got to find that park. <laughs> but where did you end up uh, with the rain? Like, did you, I'm, I'm guessing you saw the Raimi films right when they came out. And how did you feel about them? I've seen every live action Spider-Man movie uh, on release day. I've never missed a, a release day for uh, a, a Spider-Man movie. From uh, the, the Raimi's to the the uh, bizarrely aptly named Mark Webb. I've, I've seen every single one. I've also like... Uh, I 100%ed both of the most recent PS4 slash PS5 Spider-Man games. Excellent. Um, I've been a long time Spider-Man comic reader. Like when I was a kid, Spider-Man was one of my favorite characters. And so um, I, I remember, I very specifically remember reading the entire clone saga as it was unfolding. Oh, wow. So I've, I'm, you know, I'm fairly well versed. I'm fairly well, uh, I'm, I'm cozy with Spider-Man lore. I get it. Sure. I've lived it. I've, I've lived the spider truth. I feel like you and I's sort of origin points in this are, are fairly similar, uh, so I won't sort of uh, go through it again, but I'm pretty much in that boat. Um, I, I rem Spider-Man has always been my favorite of the Marvel characters. I have, uh, in fact, to the point, I don't know if, if, uh, if y'all ever have this. Do you ever have a thing that is so outward about your personality that when it comes time for people to get you gifts, not like close people, but like, you know, tertiary people, if there's like a small thing where I get like a birthday party and someone's bringing you something tiny and silly and whatever, they're going to be like, oh, that dude loves pound puppies or whatever. We're always going to go get them pound puppies. Yeah. Spider-Man was that for me. Like, everybody would always get me a Spider-Man thing to the point I have drawers of Spider-Man tchotchkes, like, all throughout <laughs> my apartment. That sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, and I also own three different Spider-Man suits, but we're not here to talk about me, <laughs> although that's numerically appropriate, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so needless to say, I, too, am familiar with this. But I was, um, and we, we've, we've all sort of um, gone through... The oh, actually, I know Dave and I have Alex. I'd be interested to hear if you have. Do you follow like the MCU like leaks or casting news or whatever Tom Holland opens his mouth? Like, do you follow like the behind the scenes production of these films or do you just wait for them to come out? I explicitly try not to because I feel it's better if I try to go into the movie blind. However, Twitter is a fucking thing and it just keeps <laughs> throwing leaks and spoilers in my face, whatever I wanted or not. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had uh, just indirectly, I kind of had seen people being like, oh, you know, this thing leaked, this character's going to be on it, this character's going to be on it. And then freaking Andrew Garfield going into a talk show and being like, no, 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 I haven't filmed a single thing. I'm not in this movie, which, oh, you son, I, I wonder... I wonder if that was in his contract. Acting! Acting! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at that point, between people hyping up that they were going to be on it, between him saying that was not going to happen, at some point I just turn off my brain. I'm like, I'm just, I, I don't care. I will find out when I find out. And boy, did I find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to go in, uh, like, I don't even want to watch trailers if I can avoid trailers. I just feel like the Sony movies, yeah. the Sony Marvel movies are really bad at leaking it's it's hard for those secrets to stay kept and um uh, uh tom holland is infamous for not being able to keep a secret so that's also its own thing but uh th this movie i don't i don't know man it was just so the the every secret was the worst kept secret yeah yes right down to like we knew lines that would be in the movie whether i wanted to or not, like i avoid spoilers and i, I couldn't avoid the spoilers right uh, th there were things that characters said to other characters. That, um, what was the one? The the like, do you have web blood? Which I guess got cut from the movie. But like, it's clearly from the movie. Yeah, I feel like I feel like 
the way that the the, the the machinations of the machine, be it on the Sony side or even the MCU, although I feel like the MCU has a decent, other than a few leaks, namely Spider-Man, um, that uh, about the information that what's sort of going to happen, it it is almost impossible to avoid. Like, I don't think I officially knew, and I'll, oh yeah, by the way, you know, spoilers, yada, 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 if you've gone into this before, I'll put a warning, it'll be fine. Um, I knew that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in this movie even though I never read it. Like, I just knew, like, somewhere in the the, the, the ether uh, or the Spider-Man zeitgeist on Twitter or whatever, like, I just sort of knew it, and I don't even remember the, a moment where I where I gleaned that actual information. Um, so, and, and, and the fact that especially after the trailer came out and you heard the Goblin laugh and you saw uh, Alfred Molina, which I like that they only, like, truly showed for longer than a split second, one of the villains in the movie. I thought that was a nice moment of restraint. And they actually never showed the Goblin, which I did appreciate, even though we all kind of knew uh, Willem Dafoe was coming as well. And that's what I'm saying. Like, between the poster and the trailer, like, we we had enough. You're not going to bring back Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx and Willem Dafoe and not have Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. That would just be a dumb thing to do. Of course they're going to be there. It's been the worst kept secret in Hollywood for months. Yeah. And it's it, like it, I almost feel a little bit insulted except for watching the movie. But it was shortly like maybe five minutes or so before they, they showed up. I found myself thinking like I don't think they're showing up. Like we're pretty deep into this movie. If you're going to do this, you kind of need to do it by now. <laughs> Otherwise, their introduction is going to be like really lackluster and le- and unearned. Yeah. And I was genuinely concerned that if they did show up, it would be kind of a, a shitty half-hearted effort. I'm glad I was wrong. I thought the same thing. And I kind of, so I was having a really good time with the movie up. I mean, I had a good time with it throughout. Uh, I'll go into the sort of pros and cons later that I had. Uh, and I'd like to get your takes as well. But the, the we hit that two thirds point and there's still only one Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I know they're going to be here. I'm guessing it's going to just be like they're going to show up at that final battle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like I've like they're going to come out of a portal like on your left and like whatever and not have moments. And I then I when when they finally showed up due to Ned's uh innate magical powers, which is interesting. Um I was very very psyched and I remembered I'm like, "Oh yeah, this has a, this movie has a long runtime. Like they'll have a little bit of time at this point to like actually interact, which was a which was a a nice surprise, really." You know that thing that that thing you can do like when you're watching something on your Apple TV you can you can like put your your thumb on the button for just a second and it'll tell you how much movie is left or how much show is left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found myself wishing for that at certain points to be like I don't know uh ease my own stress about wow they, they they're not going to have time to, to wrap this up but if I had seen like oh, there's still an hour like oh this is fine. Yeah, there's like yeah, we, it, it would have given us a nice um I don't know. Uh, a little weirdly, a stress relief in a way to know. Uh, I just want a progress bar. But I guess my main question is around this sort of topic of like spoilers versus not spoilers, and we all seem to try to not want to know the thing. Yet, due to either our profession or our interests or our search histories, the the world just tells us the thing anyway. Yeah. Do we think that we would have gotten? even more joy out of it due to surprise yes yes 100 percent, yes and i'll tell you exactly why the the marvel moment that ruined trailers for me was uh, uh ragnarok mm-hmm. in the trailer for ragnarok when thor yells i know him he's a friend from work that's like the best moment in the movie and as soon as like that starts to happen i'm just kind of waiting for the moment to end so we can get to stuff that i haven't seen so all of the joy stolen from me by the fucking trailer. I hate it. I give mean, me as little as you can possibly give me. I go back. The The biggest trailer ruination for me is not actually, in fact, from the MCU. It is actually hearkening back to my childhood and Terminator 2. Do y'all, have you ever seen the trailer for Terminator 2? No. Probably as a kid. So the trailer for Terminator 2 reveals instantly that Arnold is a good Terminator. Like mm. instantly in the first 10 seconds. And so I always thought when I was a kid, like, oh, that's the plan. But watch, going back and watching Terminator 2 as an adult, you actually see that for the first third of the movie, James Cameron sets it up so you don't know which Terminator is the good Terminator. 
And like the the reveal is in the hallway when Arnold yells "Get down!" and fires the shotgun at the at the at um, Robert Patrick. So like mm. anyway, I, that's my like quintessential uh, whatever trailer house ruining a film's like epic. Like how wonderful that would have been. That's my Ragnarok moment outside of the MCU. Um, but I, I I asked the question because I think back to like uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. and we all kind of like. For instance, we all knew that Avengers Assemble was coming, right? I did not. You didn't think he'd say Suspected. it? Suspected. I did not. I, I had, in that moment, I wasn't even thinking about it. Sitting in the theater watching that movie, it was all of these, these things just kind of happening. And I'm so swept. I'm, I, like, my brain's not even on. So when he says Avengers, it's like I peed a little. And then he said, and, you know, the crowd goes nuts. But I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't just standing there waiting for it to happen. I was kind of like, in. yeah. Uh, this, this this state of childlike awe, waiting, uh, not even waiting, just like um, uh, absorbing it all. I I think a better example, or at least for me, will be in that, that very same movie when Captain America lifts Thor's hammer. Because I, one of my most precious memories from watching Avengers movie is going to opening day for that movie. And when the hammer starts moving, he, I'm getting goosebumps you're remembering it. Hearing yeah. like the entire movie theater audibly gasp, like that is just entrenched in my mind forever. And I imagine if in the trailer for that movie, there have been like one shot of the hammer moving or something, like some people online will be making theories about it and half of us will be expecting it. Yeah. But the fact that it came out of left field made it precious. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we could have had that. We could have. We could have, but we didn't. Well, so here's here's the next thing. So since we all knew this was coming, it feels like we all knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. Did we? Well, actually, let's let's get into sort of first impressions overall. How you both felt about the film in general? Because I have a weird sort of side question around that. Dave, did you like Spider Man No Way Home? No, I loved it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was, uh, I, I need some time to process it and like really get my head around my feelings. But I came out of the theater being like, that was great. What a lovely time. We all had a great time. And I feel like so many, uh, it, it's it's rare that a movie can retroactively improve other movies. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a near impossibility most also, times. Also, like it's rare that a movie can retroactively save an entire actor's performance in past movies. Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man now. He he has he has my definite hero moments uh, of this film as well. That is, is there another example? Can we think of a movie that has saved another movie or franchise? A few actually. A few of the projects in Phase Four have retroactively made Age of Ultron better. Age of Ultron. It's funny. I guess never bothered me, but I, I know a lot of people did did have issues with that movie, especially like certain certain characters arcs and things. What what specifically are you talking about there? Uh, like the weird deviation into the the swimming pool, uh, swimming pool, the uh, the the puddle in the caves where Thor is just like chilling with Doctor Selvig, and like all the stuff with like the uh, thinking about the Infinity Stones. It's like who gives a shit? And then later it's like, oh, that stuff all really mattered, right? Um, moments like that. Okay. I wonder, I wonder if even we go a little step further, right? Like these are two, I mean, technically it's the same character. It's Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. But like, I'm trying to think of like, I guess my, my go-to might be, it's not the same thing. I was going to say Mad Max Fury Road. Like the other Mad Maxes aren't (laughs) bad. They just are what they are. If that makes sense. They like, they, they live in that world. And then Mad Max Fury Road took that world, rebooted it kind of halfway and made it and it can completely own like its own thing and like took a what I would consider like a B movie property and turned it into like high art cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the same. That's not quite the same, I guess. Alex, can you think of any? I can think of a lot of movies that sort of made worse others before they were actively, <laughs> but it, it's very rare to get the occasion when it improves them. I think if if one gets the feeling that there was a plan in place mm. and that sort of fits it all together, that's one thing. But for this movie, there was no plan. Like, they weren't making the old Spider-Man movie and being like, oh, I'm, we're going to finish the arc of the story 20 fucking years later in another <laughs> universe. Right. It just kind of happened. I think yeah. it's like the, the reward. I, like, when we say retroactively makes it better, I think, yeah, planning is part of it. But the reason that planning works is because you you feel a sense of you weren't wasting your time. 
you're being rewarded for having paid attention. Mm-hmm. And things like, oh, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. That is there for the people who were paying attention. The line works either way. But it's really there for the people who saw the other movie and remember that. Like, it's it's fan service, but in a way that isn't stopping the movie to uh, wink and nudge the audience, but rather um, uh, framing things or, or setting up little gifts along the way that just make you feel as if the time that you've spent being a fan was not time wasted, that you've spent your time well and you are loved and you are appreciated. And like good fan service does that. And a good setup will do that. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general is really good at rewarding the audience for paying attention. It is not a surprise to me that doing something like this, they would be just as good at uh, finding uh, uh, ways without the planning to reward the audience and make them feel like, you know, maybe there was a, a divine force at play. And I will say, while there was not a plan, that Kevin Feige is the through line. He worked on those other movies. Yes, but never in the context of the of a, of a plan. He just happens to be the person who did them and when and is is skilled right. enough to sort of run that thread. Right. Well, actually, I, I'll get back to the. It's funny the the scientist line itself is is interesting. But Alex, yeah, it's it's interesting to me because I'm not of exactly the same opinion. To be fair, this is a movie that has a lot of fan service on it and done so well that I'm a, a bit <laughs> confused of how they pulled it off because I'm usually not a fan of fan service. That line specifically, I I enjoy seeing it there because I was with a bunch of internet shit posters and we were like, oh, it's the meme and we're all laughing about it. <laughs> uh, but but thinking about it in cold, I almost felt like Willem Dafoe was going to turn at the camera and wink. And I was like, okay, you know, like I, I understand what you're trying to do, but come on. Um, it, it, to me, straddled the line between good and bad fan service constantly and I didn't know how to process it. It, it was trying really hard to appeal to people my age who just didn't just grow in the movies, but were act, actually exposed to all the memes in the movies. But uh, it was not bad. It was just really on the line for me. There's, there is something interesting to that point. So, so my, my one, I, I loved the fucking thing. I, I thought again, but this is like in my wish wannabe radioactive spider blood. Like I don't see a world. <laughs> I mean. I, unless we were pulling a real, uh, well, technically this was a Spider-Man three of sorts, but just not the Raimi one. Um, the, if I had to levy one sort of criticism at this film, it is that thing, Alex, that you just sort of brought up. Like I am the I am the target audience. Where it feels like me and Dave specifically, and possibly you halfway, are like the target audience for. Everything this movie is doing, every plate that is spinning in the air is for our benefit. However, there are so many plates that I never know what plate or emotional resonant tone, etc. I should be focusing on. So when we're going between like uh, quippy good dialogue between three young friends about what they should do in this hard situation to uh, another character memeing on their old line in a sort of like winky moment to then Doctor Strange getting serious and like a battle breaking out. Like I never quite knew what tone I should be like. I never got into a flow state. Yeah. I think that's the weird thing about this movie. And I, again, this is a, a detriment, but I also had such a good time. I don't care. So that's a whole nother line. But like uh, case in point, I feel like um, I'll even go original Avengers. Like original Avengers is like what is the smoothest, most wonderful water slide I've ever experienced. Like it's just I'm in it. Like even if it's on, like I, I can I can hop on like a an on ramp on a highway, and I just coast to the end, and I have a good time. This kept like doing enough winks or changes or tone things where I like, kept like thinking about the process of the movie and wondering more about are they gonna do this? Oh, they did this. Well, that worked, but I'm calling out that it worked in real time. So is it actually working? Like I I I got. I got in my own head about it too much, but I don't think it it didn't ruin anything. It just didn't let me settle into it, if that makes sense. Uh, it, 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 it felt like several movies stitched together in terms of tone. To put another example of a thing that has been bothering me from from the moment I watch it, there's this line where after they, they catch Dr. Octopus, yes. the Peter Parker of the MCU is asking, oh, you know, what's your name? Otto Octavius. And they all laugh and they're like, no, really. And it's, uh, uh, and I 
the joke didn't land to me because the MCU already has so many comparable ridiculous stuff. Mm -hmm. They were trying to be like, oh, haha, this old ones, look how quirky. It's like, come on, you live in an universe who is equally as quirky or worse. You're in the basement like that, of a dude named Doctor Strange. Strange, exactly. <laughs> like this is that 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 joke to me just. Uh, but that kind of quippiness that that first half of the movie was trying to land on, at least for me, didn't work. Which is interesting because the second, well, last third, I guess, in the movie, when we have all the the Spider Boys, the Spider Dudes. Just discuss, discussing like their abilities with each other and being like, oh, I don't need warp cartridges or, oh, I wish I could fight an alien. I fought an alien in space. That part was great. Like, I, I just want a show of them three just discussing their different things all day. Like, that mm. that was that felt original. That felt fresh to me. And that felt cathartic, just having them discuss their different experiences. So, but these two things, I feel like I'm talking about two different movies here. It's totally you kind of are like i i guess again so many plates but like the first half to two thirds of this movie feel like standard sony tom holland uh fair right like spider-man stuff right like and that's not bad that's good mm -hmm. i like far from home i rewatched far from from home before this and i like the more i watch that movie the more i dig it i know people some people have soured on it how, how do you both feel about that Dave, do you do you still are you with that movie or did you not love it that much? I loved it. I loved it. Um, okay, for a handful of reasons. The the big one That's being fun. that uh, th this this whole trilogy is um, a, a lot of big swings and a, a lot of big experiments. Mm -hmm. I, I love that they're taking these chances. I love that the movies have gotten weird. I love that Spider Man's world is weird. That the MCU is weird. Uh, I love that this movie resolves on regrounding the the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in my mind, um, the 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 magic of these three movies is that it's the first time we get to see Spider Man in, in a, a cinematic context where shit's just fucking weird, and it's huge and it's comic booky, and we don't have to start mm. with. With great power comes great responsibility. We end with that. I don't mm -hmm. think that's a coincidence. Yes. I think that um, from the Vulture and Iron Man to the the fight in Germany, and I'm kind of going backwards here, but um, all of these things are, are pieces of this crazy huge origin story that we've never really had for Spider-Man before. And getting back to the place where like we, we land on... A uh, family member dies saying great power, great responsibility, and now he's broke and alone and needs to figure shit out. And we can, for the first time, really appreciate, oh, it's going to be fucking hard being Spider-Man. Yeah, because it's kind of been easy. Yes. It was It was really easy in a world that was huge and weird, and he's fighting aliens in space. <laughs> and the, the whole thing was weird because all of the other Spider-Man movies we've gotten have been very grounded and, like, he's delivering pizza. We've had that already. We've seen Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered. We don't need it again. Let's try something big and fucking weird first. And uh, to, to do all the big weird stuff and like it, the movie gets to enjoy being what it is, uh, that's more compelling to me. I agree. And I love I love taking the Spider-Man script and literally through the course of these last three movies, as you said, Dave, turning it upside down, we get the death of a Parker family member at the end of the story to to give pathos. A character that, by the way, is a fan favorite that I have become very fond of and therefore I have more reverence for in the current moment than Uncle Ben in general. Like, Uncle Ben in any film that I've seen, I've seen, met for seven minutes at most. Yeah, he dies at the beginning. We don't get, we don't have an emotional connection to him. Yeah, so to have that yep. is so lovely in this and to have that moment still be as pertinent to Spider-Man's sort of, I guess, rebooted origin as a, a, a because everyone sort of forgets who he is by the end of this film, um, then having the, with great power, there must also be great responsibility. Again, they hearkened back to the original way it was written in the comic as opposed to the Raimi sort of redo that they did, just shortening it. Um, it was beautiful, and it was, it was far more effective. It was the most effective, which got me thinking, would it have been as effective if the other films hadn't existed, and I think it would. I think it's a better story structure um, to keep us sort of caring. Mm. Um, and and, and the, the, the elephant in the room, gentlemen, is this is the frown upside down version of the comic book 
uh, four-part series Spider-Man One More Day. Have either of you read that? I have not. I'm familiar with it, but I've not read it. Long story short, the outcome is similar, but it gets to it in the dumbest way possible. This is continuing what I think the MCU and the extended Sony version of the MCU do really, really well, is find the little pieces of a story that actually work and picking them out and leave the rest of the shit on the cutting room floor. Long story short, uh, after Civil War, Iron Man convinces Spider-Man to reveal his secret identity and register with the Superhero Registration Act. It ruins his life. Ah, yes, I am familiar with this. This is the one with Mephisto on it. Yes, and then uh, a sniper kills Aunt May because they were hired by the Kingpin, or or puts her in the the ICU, and then to save Aunt May, a woman in this series who's like 95... Uh, he makes a de- he goes to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange gets him in, in touch with a metaphysical place. He de- makes a deal with Mephisto that actually Mary Jane does it to to basically sacrifice their love and the possibility of their un- of their unborn daughter uh, in order for Peter's life to be reset and May to live. The- and then it starts again with Brand New Day, which is a decent run of the comic. It's like Peter Parker <clears throat> is just around his group of uh, some friends, like Harry Osborn comes back from the dead and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like, the-, the result was good in the comics. I think the stories are fine. It made Spider-Man feel fresh, but getting there was such a fucking nightmare in every... It's like it's like every in video games. It's like everyone disliked that. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no thing. And then all of a sudden, yeah. this movie comes along... And gets Peter Parker to the same place that's interesting, but does it in a loving, like in a, in a fan service love letter that's two and a half hours long to get him there. So, like, that's another Feige thing, I think, Dave, to your point earlier. It's just he's really good at finding the gems in the insane slosh bucket that is uh, Marvel continuity and comics trying to like, you know, find the thing that not only will work in cinema, that people will be emotionally, you know, connected with. Yeah, and it's a it's a question of like, what are the story beats that worked? Mm-hmm. When you can look back over the, the entire collection of comic history and you can see, uh, as a fan, here are the beats that, that I loved, here are the beats that other fans loved, here are the things that, that we're still talking about years later. So it's hard to see in the moment. You couldn't have known when it happened, uh, Secret War originally, Spider-Man getting the black costume. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have guessed right then how big a part of Spider-Man history that would end up being. Yeah. You couldn't have known that. You you couldn't have known when you started the Clone Saga that fans were generally going to hate it. Uh, right. <laughs> but you can look at or with Civil War, you, you couldn't have known that, that fans would be really divided on whether or not. The, the story was um, well-constructed or paid off in a, a, a good way. But you can look back and you can say, here are the parts that people loved. Here are the parts that people didn't love. And the, the MCU is like kind of a second draft of these comic books. No, I agree. Alex, you, you had something there? Yeah, I wanted to get y'all's opinion on something that I find interesting that hasn't come up at all in this conversation so far. Uh, when... When talking to people that have seen the movie about the movie, we obviously focus on the crossover elements and the payoff and all of this. But something that wasn't ruined, at least to me by the trailers or online or anything, and that I think a lot of people have been sleeping on, is that basically the first half of this movie is a Doctor Strange versus Spider-Man movie. And like that fight between them goes really fucking hard. Like I did not see that coming and it became low-key my favorite part of the movie. So I wonder if that was just me. I dug it. I mean, I thought I, I knew something like that was coming after trailer two, sadly, because I watched it like a dummy. Um, the because the, there's that part in the trailer where he knocks Peter out of his, uh, at, you know, the astral thing, and, and he was holding a box. I'm like, oh, there's the MacGuffin they're fighting over. Uh. Uh, what I didn't see coming was the fucking cool as hell ability, like the the epitome of what the spider sense is Peter Parker's astral body is out of his out of his physical body and Doctor Strange has tried to take the box and the preternatural nature of the spider sense is keeping the box in the soulless body away from Doctor Strange like that to me was my biggest holy shit moment I think in the entire like because like it's just a peek at like oh that's how his stuff works like it's either tethered to a greater power that's beyond this thing or it's pure physicality that's not even magic. I don't know. I, I I love that a lot. This you are right, Alex. This fight. You know what I didn't see coming. The way that they took Doctor Strange off the board for the second half of the movie. Like I loved that <laughs> because no, they didn't. 
Peter did. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying story structure, yeah, but Peter did using, <laughs> using math, stay in school, kids, uh, that is just such a, a a wonderful way to beat a wizard is with math. Um, I don't know, it felt clever, it felt earned. Math versus science, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I did like that a lot, Alex. I I thought the yeah. I thought that sort of element was really really nice, and I love that it wasn't evil Doctor Strange. Like we're gonna get evil Doctor yeah, Strange. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But like I love that it wasn't actually Mephisto messing with people. Like Wong gives him permission to do the spell, and then like it, it's it's it just felt nicer and more real than like uh oh evil entity impersonating Doctor Strange to mess with Spider Man. It was just like an, these are two. Look, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are flawed characters, and they're great for that. That's what makes them interesting. And to see them both fuck up so royally, <laughs> it's just a delight to see them to try to get out of it and not agree on how to do it. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I want to uh, – you reminded me of something a moment ago, and you said the the thing that ruined – that you, you watched it like a dummy. Uh, the, the moment that was in the trailer that I if, – if there's one thing I, I would have taken out of the trailers – and and I fucking hate them for putting in. It was when you see MJ falling. Yes, because everybody everybody guessed. Oh, if she's gonna fall, I bet Andrew Garfield is gonna be the one who saves her, and that's his big redemption. That's the payoff for him. Yeah, and of course that's what happened. Now it was extremely well acted by Andrew Garfield, and I think that saves that moment for me. That might be my favorite moment in the movie. Same. Is when he says, "Are you okay?" and she goes, "Yeah, are you?" and he's like trying not to cry. It wasn't played for a joke. That shit was real. Yeah. He was feeling the pain of of the, the love he couldn't catch and feeling uh, the, the the redemption of, of catching MJ. It's they, they, you see it in his face. It's, it's a powerful moment. My favorite moment in the movie. But fuck whoever put her falling in the trailer. Just fuck that person. Yeah, that was not a good call. Yeah. Okay, so exactly out to our point regarding spoilers that we started with. I did not watch that trailer. I completely managed through sheer force of will never to watch that trailer. That's why I didn't know Doctor Strange and Spider-Man were going to fight. And I had no idea about the MJ moment. And I was crying like a baby in that theater. Like, that was powerful. I did not see it coming, and it was great. So, with a fresh perspective here, yes, it was better without the trailer. It's funny. I thought that whatever Tobey Maguire moment would be my favorite moment just because that was, you know, what I grew up with, I guess. But I, I agree with you, Dave, too. Like that the Andrew Garfield moment, again, even though I saw the trailer, his performance actually saves that moment and makes it feel special. Uh, it didn't matter that we knew. I mean, it did. I, I would obviously to Alex's point, it would have been much it would have been much more, I guess, uh, surprisingly great had we not known. But there was a catharsis there that, like, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, you even said it again, Dave. You were like, it saved a, it saved two films. Like, it saved, it's literally put them back <laughs> on the board for me to the point where I'm like, oh, I could watch those again. Which before this movie, I never would have really said that. Uh, which is so silly, but that's, I guess, the power of that. what is, uh, what they're building with this goddamn multiverse. It's just, it could fix all these problems eventually. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the lesson here is that no matter how bad a movie is, a future movie can make it good. <laughs> it's strange, but that might be true, and I don't know how dangerous that is. Uh, <laughs> we will see. Okay, so what will be Tobey Maguire's similar moment? What will be his star moment, in your opinion? Well, that's an easy one. Oh, you got it? Yeah, I think I think we have the same answer. It's clearly his, his big moment is stopping Tom Holland from straight up murdering a motherfucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say that is what that moment I think that's what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. I didn't get the same reverence from that um, because it's not quite the same I mean it is and it isn't Andrew Garfield saves an MJ because he couldn't save his Gwen etc uh, Toby Maguire inadvertently I won't even say causes the death. The goblin sent the glider to him. He just jumped out of the way. Also, dumbest plan from the goblin. That that glider's going to slam into if it does hit Peter Parker in in the original Spider-Man, the OG uh, 2002, and then it's just going to slam right into Goblin. Like it's I don't. It's fucking stupid. You've been holding this for years, for decades. I yeah. Now I can finally talk about it. I can speak my mind. My opinions are finally relevant. (laughs) (laughs) They all wouldn't listen before, but now. 
so him stopping it, of course, f- is something like that. Um, I honestly think my, f- my the 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 most powerful Tobey Maguire moment for me was after Andrew Garfield. This has been the the previous thing when they're all sort of talking, and Andrew Garfield talks about after Gwen's death, he sort of like stopped pulling his punches and just started. I mean, you kind of get the idea that he just started killing people. Uh, which is dark and weird and terrible. And I want to see that movie. I know, I know. It, interesting in and of itself. But then when he asks, when they ask Tobey Maguire Spider Man what happened, he's like, "No, I, I, I ended up with MJ. Like, and we were happy for the most part. Like, that to me, we made it work. Yeah, it made it work because I, I the way that the the Raimi verse kind of ended." We never got happy Peter and MJ. Like they ended up together, but we never got to see it much. Like the whole the love triangle thing with the alien who brings back the suit and uh, all that shit. And number number three is a, a hot mess. I, I I watch it for laughs on occasion, yeah. but I, I can't I can't really do much to it. So that moment to me was actually the the pinnacle of the of the of the uh, Tobey Maguireness of it. Um, I think I. Okay, so we all seemed to like it. Different, different, you know, mileages may vary, it seems like. I feel like, Alex, you might be a little bit, like, it it was effective for you, but, like, not all the way throughout. I really like parts of it, and there are parts of it that I do not mind. (laughs) What was your, what was your least favorite part of it, if you have one? Anything, everything that happens... Kind of the the tone of everything that happens until that fight between mm. Doctor Strange and Spider Man. Uh, I, I have been voicing some of my grievances up to, up uh, until that point, but it had very good rhythm, only to get ruined by punctual moments. But uh, okay, I I can tell you. <sighs> no, what what was that? What was that? No, it's don't tease us. <laughs> Maybe. No, it's something that I really liked Okay. rather than really disliked at the start. And I think uh, for me, maybe I lose some attention after that. The entry with the, the opening moments with how his life had been changed by becoming a public figure mm-hmm. are very interesting because I don't... I don't know if this is a thing that has happened in the comics, but usually always the question of how will a very public Avengers-like style public Parker would look like, mm-hmm. especially when it, he's so young, is to me a, a question that is very interesting to explore, and I think they did interesting stuff with it, to the point that I wanted to see more of how that would look like. And also, it it, it fully helps that literally the, the one thing that had leaked that I was really, 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 really hoping was real um, was the, the the return of Charlie Cox as as freaking Daredevil? Yeah, and I know if you heard me, Matt, but they definitely did that. I was audibly, I was holding my shears when that happened. I was jumping in my seat in place. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I was I was really happy about that, and I, that he got his tiny Daredevil moment, catching the break and everything. That was really good. It was also great being in the theater for him to say the line, "I'm a really great lawyer." While sitting a few seats over from Legal Eagle. Yeah. I was just going to say that. It was so, so... F- I feel like every one of us just slowly turned our heads to face Devin. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I really wish we had a camera shot of that moment facing us. Because I feel like everyone did the same thing. Um, no, that's such a... Uh, we, I will say it is a relief. I am relieved that Charlie Cox will be Daredevil. I am relieved that Willem Dafoe, spoilers for Hawkeye, uh, or not Willem Dafoe, so sorry, Vincent D'Onofrio, where the fuck is my mind, is going to come back I as... like that you, you fucked it up, but in a, in a good way, because you, you almost said the name. Right. And if you said the name and then said spoilers, <laughs> kind of a dick move. Yeah, but I <laughs> but fixed it. Because you screwed it up. <laughs> it's my version of Spider-Man's body without a soul. I just did it, and I didn't know. Uh, no, I'm just like Kingpin Vincent D'Onofrio is back. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just love that that I, – I feel fairly passionate about five-sixths of the Netflix uh, Marvel stuff. Like, I'm glad that I'm hoping that a lot of it carries over. Um, I mean, I guess by rule of – MCU law, if Charlie Cox is there, then the rest of them do exist, like, in that universe, right? Like, Well, 
No. no. Right? No. I mean, why? It, it cooled, but I don't really care. He could be a variant. That, that's, that may be Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock <laughs> as Daredevil, but that doesn't mean it's the same Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock as Daredevil that oh, we watched in fuck. Netflix's Daredevil series. You're right. Interesting. Well, I at least hope they keep Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Yeah, I, I hope they keep the casting for, for sure. What I would want, though, it, my, my hope would be that uh, we can do things like, how about this kingpin actually has enough juice in him to go toe-to-toe with Spider-Man and beat the shit out of him? Oh, you want a physical kingpin? Like, you want... I want to see that fight. Okay. Yeah. I... I I guess I... I never liked... Look, I like a I like a, a crime boss that's, like, physically imposing, sure. But, like, kingpin was never... The physicality of Kingpin for me was never the dangerous part of Kingpin. Like, I liked that if it fell down to that, he could sort of step back into it a little bit. But, like, I just liked that he was a lot of times in a weird sort of Luther-esque way, kind of the smartest dude in the room. Like, yeah. but listen, I'll watch Vincent D'Onofrio fight Tom Holland. I will watch Vincent D'Onofrio do anything. This, like, that Kingpin, that just the return, that's, that's the second line of that return story that is so exciting just because he is terrifying yeah like he uh, in uh in a universe made of people with superpowers and aliens and fucking thanos and whatever he is a mafia boss that you are mm-hmm. terrified to have to cross paths with i don't know how they pulled that off but um yeah that's all that's also a, a little detail from this movie that just gets me excited for the future yeah I agree. I, I think I think ooh, well, I, ooh. what do you got? Holy shit. You, you know what? You know what I just realized? What? If Vincent D'Onofrio is back as Kingpin, and if Charlie Cox is back as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil, and if that means that we get the rest of the casting, particularly um uh Kristen Ritter for uh Jessica Jones, does that mean we might get another swing at Kilgrave? Does that mean we might get David Tennant back? Because you want to talk about the scariest fucking villain in anything Marvel, Ooh. that guy takes the cake. Yeah. Yes. Kilgrave was uh-huh. a, a high point of villainy in this entire thing. Um, and I would love to see... Genuinely terrifying. I would love to see him yes. versus other... I, want, I love the mix-ups that they do. And I'd love to see him versus other people other than Jessica Jones as well. I know they have the history and that does make it in, equally terrifying and, and visceral. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, f- fucking throw Kilgrave against, like... I don't know. The Fantastic Four or some shit. Like, I just, like, just, like mix it up. And show me something interesting, because Kilgrave with his power set could kind of go against everyone. I'm, I'm falling off the rails here. We all, I think we all are. Um, Kilgrave's out of this movie. Charlie Cox, the Daredevil, is in this movie. Um, Way to save it. Um, yeah, bringing it back around. I think the Alex, to your original point there, I I think my least favorite mm-hmm. thing is I think hearkening back to something you were saying as well, which is like I found the idea after Mysterio released who Peter Parker was and doctored the footage and all that jazz, like hyper interesting. I was like, I want to see that movie where the world is trying to square Spider-Man and figure out what's what. And like this is that this is the first time in this um in this franchise where a superhero is kind of hated by the public, which fits into Spider-Man's persona. The Avengers are loved. Even when Ronan's going around hacking up crime bosses, no one's really angry in the public. Like, they're just like, oh, this ninja's killing criminals. Uh, And here we had the opportunity to sort of see that. And I think, again, uh, so many plates in this movie, and I don't think it could have afforded to spend more time on that, but they did kind of just hand wave the the worldly problems away other than not getting into college. Like they just were like, oh, well you're a minor and it was actually happy was your thing. So like now it's on him and like, whatever, like don't worry about the drones and everything's fine. You can go back to school. And like, I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's fine. And like, then the problem doesn't become, oh shit, everyone knows I'm Spider-Man and I can't do anything. And the government is after me. And it goes to like, oh, People know I'm Spider-Man, and now I can't get into college. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess that's fine. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we, can we talk about, like, there's there's a lot of ink has been spilled over, like, 
supervillain plans, like the Joker's plan in The Dark Knight or Loki's plan in Avengers. I want to talk for just a minute about the plan that Peter and Dr. Stephen Strange came up with. Mm -hmm. So when faced with the challenge of my friends didn't get into college, they decide that rather than maybe... Like uh, Strange makes the joke about you didn't think to call them. Yeah. And then he himself doesn't think maybe I could change their minds through spells. No. Instead, we're going to take all fucking seven billion people <laughs> on the planet and make them forget that this dude exists, cracking open the multiverse. Not, hey, maybe we use magic to convince these four people that maybe these kids should be able to get an MIT. Yes. I mean, it's funny because – It's a bad plan. Yeah. It's a very bad plan and I think – it, 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 you know, I think the even the, the makers of this movie actually know that it's a bad plan because they have him comment on it after the fact. But it was one of those things where like, well, we need to get this rolling. We know we're doing a multiverse story now <laughs> and we need to move this along. Um, and Doc Ock. <laughs> it's like a, it makes me think of pitch meeting. But so then the movie can happen. Yeah, exactly. That's literally that's exactly <laughs> what this feels like. If, if, we, if they didn't do that, if Doctor Strange just changed an admission officer's mind. Uh, then everything would be hunky dory, and it would be a okay. Um, but be, again, it's these are these are minor nits, at least in my opinion, to pick. I think overall, this movie is way more effective than I thought it would be. I I think I actually believed going into it that it would crumble for me under all of the weight that it was trying to do. And if my biggest problem is mm -hmm. Doctor Strange and Peter's plan is stupid to kick off all the neat stuff, I think I'm okay. Like, I, you know, it's a comic book movie after all. They can have a little bit of Wonka do. If I, if I may steal a line directly from you, when we exited the, the movie show, I think what you told me directly that stuck with me is this is the best implementation possible of a really rough idea right and i keep thinking back to it because like the more i think about it the more stupid certain things happen like wow you're telling me you had this spell the whole time to make the entire world forget about a thing like it's like it it, it opens an infinite multiverse of plot holes for everything else retroactively but it's very obvious that, hey, you know, the rough ideas that we want to get all the Spider-Man from the different universes here, how do we get there? Yeah. And it's like, uh, this is quite possibly the best way they could do that mm -hmm. because it's a very, very tall order. Yeah. So eh, it gets a pass. Agreed. Agreed. I, 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 I do. I, I remember saying that to you because I was just like, man, I loved this. I don't think it's a great idea, but man, they pulled off a, 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 a kind of a rough idea exquisitely. Um, and that's super interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, Dave, do you agree with that statement or do you, do you feel like that is incorrect in your opinion? This Spider-Man was introduced because Iron Man showed up at his apartment and gave him a high tech suit and dragged him to Germany to fight the Avengers and then sent him home. And then later his girlfriend's dad turned out to be a supervillain using Chitari technology to, to commit crimes. And then after that, he has to go to, to space and uh, fight a, a giant purple alien who's trying to wipe out half of the life in the universe. He gets turned to dust for five years. He comes back. He ends up in a giant fucking battle of epic proportions with hundreds, if not thousands, of, of superhero uh, characters fighting an entire army of evil aliens hell-bent on destroying the universe. And then his mentor dies, saving the universe, and he's gifted a pair of glasses, which are kind of passive-aggressively stolen from him by a man who uses high-tech drones to create illusions as if the multiverse is cracking open and he's got to save them. I don't know that it's a bad idea. I think this Spider-Man is just into some really <laughs> crazy shit. And this is the big, crazy, epic, over-the-top thing that you need to have cap that off so we can get Spider-Man to a more grounded place. He started off pretty bonkers and only became more bonkers over time. This is how this movie is so fucking bonkers uh, because it's, it's necessary to go bonkers to get him back down to reality. It's a reset button. That's a, that's an exquisite way to put it. You did leave out a crucial point, however, Dave. He builds a Lego Death Star not only once but twice. 
So that in and of itself shows incredible <laughs> just wherewithal and drive, uh, which makes me really believe that he can do the rest of the things that he does. Does does it does this whole diatribe that Dave just went into <laughs> contextualize better why this kid's response to I'm not getting into college is some let's apply a magic thing that might destroy the universe? Maybe like his entire response to anxiety is oh. just out of whack. Yeah, he and doesn't. Everything is just disproportionate now. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't see real world solutions to problems anymore. All of his problems have to involve giant um, aliens or magical stones or yeah. wizards or uh, nanotechnology. That's a really good point, Alex. Like that's yeah. that's like it does actually put it into con- if if any of us were thrown into any of this shit. We would no longer, like, go call our state representative. Mm-hmm. We'd, like, we'd go to the fucking wizard or the tech genius and be like, yo, do you have a thing that, like, lets me control all the ants? Because I really <laughs> need to do this thing. And, like, yeah, no, that's, that's, you know what? You've both actually just alleviated my last problems with this movie. Uh, which is yep. exactly why I do this podcast yep. slash therapy session. So thank you. <laughs> um, My invoice will be later in your mail. Oh, oh, oh great. Please, yes, yeah, send it in. Uh, it's at onlymoviepodcast at notaburner.com. Um, no, I, I think th- the last thing I will say about this film, at least from my perspective, is not only did it do the really big moments better than I thought it could, it actually did so many small moments really well. I think... Honestly, I think the number of Easter eggs in this film might outweigh almost any other Marvel movie. There's stuff like literally burnt in regardless of like like there's there, it pans on a street shot and like Liz Allen is on the cover of People magazine, like his first girlfriend from the first movie. And it just says like there's a quote from her like he's a liar. And you're like, oh, she's still kicking around. Yeah. Like uh, the, the there's a there's a line of one of the news headlines. It's like political turmoil continues in new Asgard. So, like, Val- Valkyrie shit's not going well, which I'm sure we'll see in Love and Thunder. <laughs> like, like there's there's there are different Spidey themes for all three Spider-Men's uh, play whenever they show up. Like, there's just, there's so much, like, love and care put into here. And the last thing I will say, I think my favorite moment is when he goes to see the forgotten MJ and Ned in the Peter Pan coffee shop on the nose, but I love it. And, uh... Basically, he uh, almost decides to tell MJ that he's, you know, he's trying to explain it to her and he decides not to. But the moment that got me, weirdly, was when they're at the cashier, uh, at the cash register, she's checking him out for a coffee. And I didn't notice this at first. And then I looked back, like, almost, right, like, I guess it's like almost the second to last shot before she he leaves. She's wearing the broken black Dahlia necklace from Far From Home. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, she's still wearing the necklace. Mm-hmm. She's still wearing the necklace. Like, and that made me be like. It's hope. Yeah, it's 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 that weird little moment of hope, Dave. That is a hundred percent correct. Uh, I, so I really she think- doesn't know where she got it. Yep. But there's there's like the love was so strong that it the 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 necklace was imbued with the power of their love, and it will save the who who gives a shit. They're gonna yeah. end up together. We know yeah. they're gonna end up together. So it's a nice. But there needs to be a- real consequences. Yeah. And, and- the, for a Spider-Man who keeps fighting in space and and uh, hangs out with wizards. This is a movie where he finally faces some serious consequences and has to like get a, a a new bearing on his his universe and who he is in it. Yeah, and he sews his own damn costume now. So now now like he's back to square one. Uh, anyway, uh, final thoughts from either actually Alex. So let's have nice. you go and then Dave and then we'll wrap this up. Final thoughts on Spider Man uh, uh, No Way Home. There, there's one Easter egg that you didn't mention. Uh, that I, I had not mentioned either, but Dave pointed it out to me the other day, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So do you know what I'm talking about, Dave? I'm not going to take this away from you. I have no idea what you're talking about. The, the Spidey Sense one? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, you, you go, go ahead. Go ahead. So apparently uh, when he gets astrally projected out of his body by Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange trying to grab the box... Apparently, we get to see the iconic Spider Sense thingies coming out of his head in this astral projection, very slightly. Oh shit! Really? You know what I'm talking about? The squiggly lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And several people, several people grab this, and it's like, what? Okay, that's, that's actually awesome. a pretty cool reference. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. Closing thoughts. I have to watch it again because I, I, I feel that there's a lot that I need to process, uh, and I need to do it, sort of calmly to process the three different movies that are all meshed together in here 
But I think it took Spider-Man to a good place, the MCU mm-hmm. Spider-Man to to a, a good place that I'm now legitimately excited to see where this is going and how this is going to evolve as time goes on. It delivered on the very difficult promise of bringing all these characters from other cinematic universe together in a way that actually feels coherent and actually fun to see them interact. It gave us the catharsis for stuff that happened when I was a child and that I thought I will never get to see sort of completely finished. It reminded me that Willem Dafoe is the yeah. fucking man and did absolutely the wow, wow, what a billion, wow. And it gave me hope that they're going to give a new season to Daredevil. So uh, all in all, for all my complaints, I'm pretty, pretty happy. All right. Dave, take us home. I was surprised by how emotional this movie was. Uh, like, I, I thought that we'd get some, I don't know. When you look at Endgame and the way in which Endgame was emotional, it was emotional um, a, a little bit what Hawkeye went through. Mm-hmm. But Hawkeye was sort of a trash character that nobody cared about. So <laughs> they didn't even put his emotional stuff in the first movie. Uh, so we kind of open on like, oh, that sucks for him. Moving on. And then uh, when when Nat dies, of course, that's that that hits hard and it was a little bit unexpected. We, we were all kind of questioning which Avengers would go out. But I, I didn't I personally didn't expect uh, Natasha to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, when um, you know everybody comes back, that's it's an emotional beat, but not it's emotional in the sense that it's, it's dramatic. It doesn't like it didn't hit me in the feels, at least. Uh, but then we get to Tony Stark. And his sacrifice, and the entire rest of the movie is, uh, I, I think, deservedly designed to pull at our heartstrings and and make us really feel the weight of that loss and and how big a deal this really is, and th- that that is certainly something. But I wouldn't call Endgame an emotional movie. It has a big emotional ending, but it's not an emotional movie. I was surprised that this sort of um, uh, a popcorn Spider-Man. Thing where he's you know uh, f- fighting the the rogues gallery from across the multiverse. I didn't expect it to be as emotionally resonant as it was. There were a lot of little beats in this this movie uh, from Andrew Garfield even showing up to them uh, to Tobey Maguire showing up to having the conversation about their different uh, stories. Andrew Garfield, of course, is like one fucking tearjerker moment after another. That guy is fucking tragic, mm-hmm. and it's so watchable. Um, Tom Holland descending to the point where he's about ready to murder somebody, uh, saving, saving MJ, the death of, of Aunt May. There's one thing after another that like, that hits you. And then the final fucking gut punch is not that, that Ned and MJ don't remember Peter. It's when he goes in and he's, he's trying to figure out, like he's got this plan for how to, to make her remember. And then he sees the bandaid on her forehead and they don't say it. No dialogue is given to this, and thank fucking God for that. Not, not a word of dialogue is given to this, but it plays out on his face. He's thinking, if I bring her back into my life, she's in danger. She's better off without me. And he does what, what Spider-Man should do in that moment, the right thing, or at least what he feels is the right thing, and he mm-hmm. steps away. We know they're going to end up together. So it's not like this is the end. It's the end dot, 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 question mark. Uh, but that moment, watching that play out, that was the biggest gut punch for me. So watching w- watching this movie and seeing how emotional it was it was a huge surprise. I mean, when we came out of the movie, Jimmy came up to me. He's like, "How many did you? How many times did you cry?" Yeah, and, like we talked about, like how, how many times did you cry? And he's like, "I cried three times." It's like, "Oh, I cried at this scene. I cried at this scene." It's like in a fucking <laughs> Spider-Man movie. Who would have called that? And we can we can nitpick over believability of certain moments, but. Uh, for for me, it's um, for for a movie that is just bonkers, bananas ass bullshit on top of bonkers, banana ass, bananas ass bullshit within the multiverse and within the amazing complex patchwork of what the MCU is with all the and they even mock that a little bit when um, uh, Tobey Maguire is like, "You're in a band. What are the Avengers?" Like there's all this crazy shit that never happened in those other universes. We've got hero after hero after hero after hero. Like this is there's a tapestry of of crazy unbelievable bullshit that is the MCU, and uh, it, it it's not it's not a surprise to me that this movie would have to play in that playground. 
What is surprising is that a movie in that playground was still able to uh, punch me in the stomach as many times as it did. No, oh, that's very, very, yep. very well put. I, I agree completely. Well said. Uh, well, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the film Spider-Man No Way Home. Alex, Dave, thank you so much for stepping in to fill in uh, to Shahir's shoes. I so, so very much appreciate it. Um, let's go with Alex first. Alex, when you are not uh, spinning a web any size, where can folks find you? <laughs> Low Spec Gamer at YouTube, Low Spec Gamer at Nebula, and I will say, look for me on Twitter, but don't. Just don't use Twitter. It's better. Fair, 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 fair. And then, Dave, uh, when you aren't catching thieves just like flies, uh, where can folks find you? You can find me on the internet. I'm on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash dwiskus. And basically every other service with that same username. I've got a band called Airplane Mode, where uh, airplanemode.com and whatnot. Um, but mostly you would, uh, if you want to see things I'm working on, it's uh, uh, standard.tv, the standard website, or for Nebula, nebula.app. I spend most of my time making those things and helping um, your friendly neighborhood creators. There we go. Uh, and, of course, you can always find me uh, over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, please uh, check me out on Twitter. I believe I am Emperor MSK. And on Instagram, uh, NPSN, I'm Skeletor for Prez. Uh, also, please check out the good works we are doing over at uh, Extra Credits, specifically, you know, on Nebula, because that way you can watch it ad-free and uh, check out all of the other wonderful creators' stuff over there. Um, and yeah, I guess, man, it's going to be so long since we, until we talk about Spider-Man again. I guess email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. What did you think? Did all the plates keep spinning? Were there too many plates to be distracted? Did any of the plates fall, but then were instantly caught by a web of, of comfort and nostalgia? Let us know. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, gentlemen, again, thank you so much. You have had a long day, and I appreciate this last hour. And now you may slumber. You can now rest. You can now go back to your own multiverses. I, we've hit the button. I can finally die. And it, not die. Just go. Just go back to everything's fixed. We oh. put we put the chips back in your villains' heads, and now you can go. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, have breakfast. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do. Actually, you know what? I, I this is you know put this in the show or not. But I got one one more thing that's bugging me. Where the fuck was Doc Ock? He left when when everybody else left the apartment. He didn't stay and help Peter. He just fucked off for half the movie and came back at the last second and decided to help. And like, wh where was he? Was he just like out buying groceries? Was he was he checking out a show? What was he doing? I thought the the way it posited it that I'd read it as was like that the thing didn't quite work or Norman messed with it or there was something. But like you're right, he just kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You can email us about that. Let us know if you know where Doc Ock went. Where, if you were Doctor <laughs> Octopus, uh, free in this reality is uh, or Earth six one six reality, what would you do during your time off? Uh, Alex, you had one more thought. He was busy watching all the good stuff he could find on that multiverse nebula app. <laughs> there we go. We have now <laughs> completed full circle. Guys, thank you so much. I think we're all going to go to bed. We will sleep soundly now. Yep. And uh, we will talk at you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.